Oh, that's a famous strain of music. We could just stop it there, I think. The rest is rubbish, isn't it? We're looking at the Rolling Stones, Some Girls. I'm not that anti this record, actually. Oh. Probably not as much as you are. Oh. But, um... This is going to be the longest 11 till midnight ever. <laughs> this is up there with Aja. Steely well, you Dan. struggle with Steely Dan, didn't you? Jeez, yes. It was giving you some issues. I would contend that Some Girls is the last decent Rolling Stones record to date, actually. Oh, God. To me, it's like when you're hungover, but you're getting a lift somewhere in the back of a station wagon, and there's a dog back there as well, and it's a bad driver. Oh, jeez, that's not flash. Yeah, listening to this is like that. <laughs> it's a pit bull as well, and it smells. Oh, God. It's sounding pretty rough. Yeah. In that case, we should play all of every song. Oh. Make you suffer your ass off. Um, well, it'll save me talking about it. Well, at the, at the very least, even if you're not buying it musically, mm. it's culturally interesting. Because you've, you've got a band of gazillionaires by this point whose previous album, Black and Blue, which actually I also like, this is them trying to respond to the double threat culturally to their empire of disco on one hand and punk on the other. The last lash of a dinosaur dying. <laughs> That's one way of looking at it, for yeah. sure. Yeah. So they sort of make some of the rock and roll songs faster and more aggressive sounding mm. and lash disco bass lines under other things, most notably Miss You that mm. we just heard a bit of, which was their last ever number one. You know. Okay, well, let's talk about Miss You. Now, I've always thought the bass line was rather kitsch rather than excellent. Oh, really? Yeah. Well, I like the bass line. It's just your classic sort of ladder step, sort of bit on the chorus, yeah. disco bass line. Rod Stewart ripped it off shamelessly soon after for Do You Think I'm Sexy? Oh. Answer, no, soon after this. And the bass line got knocked out by occasional Rolling Stone accomplice, Billy Preston, who usually played keyboards, but this song got written when they were all just tattooing around for some club gigs they were playing, him and Mick Jagger together, and they thrashed out a demo of it, and he played bass. Whether it was keyboard bass or a bass line, I don't know, but then Bill Wyman, who by this stage had been going out to quite a few clubs around Paris and the UK and so on, being quite fascinated with disco himself, quite possibly because of the abundance of hot, young Chicks, because I interviewed him once after he wrote a book, Bill Wyman, and he was just a epic bragging that he'd slept with 3,000 women or something. I was going, dude, how did you find the time? It's uh, spent a lot of his time without his pants on. <laughs> I think he did. You think he did, and the rest of the time playing the bass. Yeah. Deeply inspired by disco, the bass line is really what nails it down, but the other thing that makes it interesting, I think, is the harmonica. It's kind of disco, but with major blues undercurrents. I never really thought it hit a disco target, really. Well, it got thrashed in discos at the time. Oh, okay. I think it did exactly what they wanted it to do, really. Okay. It sort of probably opened up a whole new market. Mm. There's one version that goes for it, which would have you really chundering in the back seat mm. of the car. Mm. One version that goes for like eight or nine minutes. Oh. Or 12 inch as well. That was in you right over the edge. Oh, mercy. <laughs> but this version, the um, I like the way they just found a guy called himself Sugar Blue who was um, busking on the street in Paris, which is where this was recorded. And he plays not ju just on this, but on various other tracks as well, which gives it that sort of blues undercurrent. Oh, the harmonica? Yeah. Okay. The only thing that gets me through it is I just imagine that Howling Wolf is singing it, and it'd be good. <laughs> yes.
There we go. The big hit. The last number one that the Rolling Stones had. Is that right? Last number one they had, yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's off the album Some Girls. Uh, yeah, culturally, it's interesting, isn't it? Because you've got this band in decline. I don't think they hit disco or punk targets here, really, at all. Do you, can you spot them trying? Well, they've just sort of got a dirtier and faster guitar sound on some of the rock and roll tunes, which is, they talk about being their response to punk, and punk gets name-checked obliquely in various of the lyrics as well. Mm. Um, but yeah, yeah, yeah. Certainly they were things that they were um, listening to and having a lash at. But I mean, they were no strangers to doing that anyway, you know, during times when um, you know, psychedelic records were happening massively, they put the freaky 3D cover on Satanic Majesty's Request and, you but know. they were writing really good songs then. They were, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and there's a couple of really good songs on this, I would contend. <laughs> Please flag it when it happens. Yeah, I will, um, I will. I'll let you know. Do you want to hear some of just a song that's not even really a song? When the Whip Comes Down? Oh, well, see, this also culturally interesting as far as I'm concerned, whether yeah. or not you like it musically, because here's Mick Jagger imagining himself to be a gay prostitute that's moved from L.A. to New York City. Oh, yeah. um, in interviews, people have asked him about this song for years because there's, you know... Mama and Papa told me I was crazy to stay. I was gay in New York. I was a faggot in L.A. So I saved my money and took the plane. But wherever I go, they treat me the same. And but he can have a little imagine, can't he? Yeah, next thing he knows, he's up an alley on 53rd Street, mm. learning a trade, as he puts it. So people asked him about it for years, and he said, God, I don't know. I don't know why I wrote it like that. I was just imagining myself in this situation. You can imagine yourself being Lou Reed. Yeah, except go. Lou Reed was um, intermittently gay. This, I think, it was, it's just one of those narratives where he's imagining himself into a situation. It's two it's chords of boredom. Uh, thank God you listen to the words. I just wrote down, it's an outro to a bad song they haven't written. Cool.
All right, from some girls when the whip comes down. Mick on the game. We'll take a break. Um, is anyone listening? Really? Is anyone listening out? It's, we're looking at some girls. This is DJ Clear the Club, really, isn't it? No. Oh. Shit, no. This has got heaps of fans. It's record. The Weekend Variety Wireless with Dock Edge Festival. For details, visit dockedge.nz. From 1978, the death lurch of the Rolling Stones as they were surrounded by disco, punk and younger people. <laughs> yeah. They made some girls. Mick Jagger says he wrote all of this. Keith Richards was busy defending himself for uh, possession of heroin, wasn't he? Yeah, yeah. He was busted in Toronto and it looked like he might be actually going to get banged up for a year or so. Mm. And that hovered over the record to some extent. And Mick Jagger wrote big lumps of it on his own. And then um, in the end, the lawyer in that case took a really interesting angle and argued that Keith Richards wasn't in the usual sort of criminal low-life fraternity usually associated with heroin abuse mm. and had made clear efforts to change his ways and so on and they ended up just having to do a benefit show for the Canadian Society for the Blind or some such. Oh really? What an appalling attitude to the junkies of the world. It's just yeah. shows that if you've got the dosh you yeah. can slide out of these things. I mean one of the songs that people love off this and that you get played on the radio yeah. occasionally is their cover of Just My Imagination. Oh. I would personally be cranking up the Temptations original but um, but never heard the Temptations original. I'd probably like this on some level. I just wrote blah.
Okay, just my imagination. I've got some suggestions of how to make the record better. Yep. Take some songs off. Such as? Just my imagination. When the whip comes down, some girls' lies, faraway eyes, respectable, before they make me run, and shattered. Right. And we've got Miss You and Beast of Burden. It's a bloody single and a good one. Yes. Yep, agreed. Beast of Burden's probably the best thing on here. Yeah. Do you want to punish me more? I'll punish you with the title track, eh? Oh, shit. Because at least the title track created some drama at the, at the time. Yes, yes. Thank it, God it's it got a story. Actually, Keep the story going along for a long, long time, Grant. It'll be good so we don't have to actually hear it. <laughs> well, I mean, it's a sort of extended pondering on the tastes of women of various races and nationalities, part of the song, and other parts of it are how... The guy is just, you know, surrounded by women wanting to do various things for him, and it's got some classic and quite funny, I think, Mick Jagger lines like, some girls buy me jewellery, some girls give me clothes, some girls give me children that I never asked them for, which is him trying to rhyme with clothes in the previous bit. English girls, French girls, you know, and the most controversial bit, which almost, you know, it, people pressured um, Atlantic Records to persuade the band to drop the song off the record, is a thing where he's maintaining that black girls just want to have sex all night. He just doesn't have the energy for that, is ultimately the guts of it. Oh, well, maybe so it's just his experience. Like Jesse Jackson showed up at... Um, Oh. Uh, Atlantic and outside various black-oriented radio stations oh. trying to um, swing a boycott and all kinds of things. Oh, right. Mick Jagger maintained the song was a really deliberate and obvious parody of sexist and racist attitudes rather than the sort of expression of sexist and racist attitudes. Okay. And the, and the, the um, song stayed on there. Well, he maintains that they were missing some irony. Pretty much.
Controversial but boring. Uh, that's some girls off the title track off the album. Yeah, famous for its cover, isn't it? It's, it's actually the spookiest, most interesting thing about it. Yeah, it was a kind of podging together of a sales catalogue that sold mail order bras and things like that. I think, and various die cuts of cutout bits where people like Liza Minnelli and Marilyn Monroe and so on showed through. Mostly women, apart from. George Harrison being the one bloke I think that wasn't in the Rolling Stones. Their faces were in there too. Oh. And then there's various iterations of the cover because all these people complained about their likenesses being used without their permission. So, No one complained about Sgt. Peppers though, did they? No, I don't think they did. So I don't know what the story is there. I think people um, extricated Dosh out of them as much as anything, but you find in record shops... Rolling Stones nerds try and find various versions of it because also the colours on the front cover were different in different territories oh, where it came out. Sort of oh, that's All that kind of plot. Isn't that exciting? Yeah, yeah. It's definitely. got a touch of the Warhols about it. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, yeah. Oh, God, there are more songs on this thing, aren't there? I'm afraid so. You're going to have to buckle up. <laughs> I'm not going to pick one. You pick one. The next song we'll play a little bit of oh. is um, Lies. This is one of the things where... Um, How about I just go for a pie? You go for a you pie, can, go you for your talk, life. You talk about this. You know, in various reviews, people bang on about this being some sort of direct response to punk, but if anything, it just sounds like a fast shit-kicker country track to me. This isn't Keith Richards' best work. Was no. he even bloody on it? Oh, yeah, yeah. Well, the other thing I guess that makes this record interesting to a lot of people is it was the first album where Ronnie Lane played as a full member of the band so oh. they were just getting that sort of thing with their guitars neither of them's playing lead but their guitars are meshing together with various lead lines is that what they told on. you yeah and also in the downtime while keith was away dealing with his legal dramas mick jagger had put lots of work in learning the guitar oh, so lots of these tracks you've be got three electric guitars fanging away leave, leave it well alone mate. yeah that's right put that guitar down keep away from the guitar
lies of some girls. We'll take a oh, blessed break. I'm going to listen to the ads. It's going to be good. The Weekend Variety Wireless with Dock Edge Festival. Get a free program at dockedge.nz. Some Girls by the Rolling Stones. How the hell did Far Away Eyes get radio play? I wonder if it got played on stations that didn't even clock that it was taking the piss. got written after Mick Jagger had been driving through Bakersfield, the home of lots of this so-called countrypolitan country music, slicker end of the spectrum, flicking through his radio, listening to all these gospel and country stations. It takes the piss out of the whole deal. You know, you've fallen on hard times, what are you going to do about it? Tropes of country music to the hammed-up to buggery southern accent that he wheels out to the Christian undercurrents where he runs 20 red lights in God's honour and then says, thank you, Jesus, thank you, Lord. I suppose that's interesting. I was driving home early Sunday morning through Bakersfield listening to gospel music on the college radio station. And the preacher said, you know, you always have the Lord by your side. And I was so pleased to be informed of this that I ran 20 red lights in his honor. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord.
Just a formulaic country thing, though, isn't it? Music. It is, yeah. And they were genuine and deep lovers of country music. Yeah, why didn't they write better then? Yeah, yeah. It's, this was a sort of um, a parody that they obviously liked enough to put in there intact. Okay. Uh, the most standard rock and roll exposition of the lack of ideas, complete with dull statutory lead break. It's a cliche on vinyl. That's what I wrote for Respectable. Yes. Someone just speeding up a sort of Chuck Berry group, really, isn't it? Yeah. Okay, let's get rid of it. Yeah. Okay. Charlie Watts is a good drummer, I suppose. I'm I'm trying to be positive. Yeah. (laughs) Before they make me run. It's a song. Yeah. It's a proper song. Yeah. Not just a standard cliche. And creaky as hell, it was written and sung by Keith Richards. Oh, well, there you go. Thanks, Keith. Yeah, so Keith is reflecting on two things, like the death of Graham Parsons, who was a close friend, and his own goodbye, he's theoretically trying to at least convince the court that he's saying to opiates. Mm. That's the basic guts of it. And he apparently stayed up for five days recording it largely by himself. Charlie Watts plays drums, but he sings it and plays acoustic and electric guitars and bass on it. And then Ronnie Wood came in and put some pedal steel on there and Jagger sings backing vocals in the end after the fact.
Yeah, before they make me run, uh, we're going to take a break and finish off some girls with what we can. We're not playing all of these things. We shouldn't play any. The Weekend Variety Wireless with Dock Edge Festival. New Zealand's premier documentary film festival. We've been looking at Some Girls, came out in 1978. Difficult time if you're a dinosaur band. Not only were disco and punk the most sort of happening newish styles of music at the time, but also they were in their big arena rock band. You had bands like Kiss. Oh, yeah, yeah, Cheap Trick. All those kind of fresh characters were coming up, and the whole punk thing had made bands that had kind of come through up through the 60s. Toto. Hopelessly, I can't. Rush. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, Boston, <laughs> quite possibly. Oh, well, they would have been really stoked that they had a number one with Miss with You. With Miss You, yeah, yeah, yeah. The next thing on here, which yeah. is Beast of Burden. Yeah. This is my favourite thing on here by a mile. Yeah, actually. same here. Like you say, it's a, it's a song. It just feels like it's got some flavour to it. It's a sort of based on the old soul era pleading yeah. songs, ballads of the day. You yeah. know, nicely written, nicely delivered. It's become a classic. Yeah, yeah, rightly so.
right, Beast of Burden. Okay, we're going to go out with Shattered. I just wrote, why did they put the chorus on the guitar? It's not a clever trick, really. It doesn't help. It's lazily played, really lazy playing. Clumsy hand claps. Don't muck around with the best instrument in rock music. That's the hand clap and the tambourine. <laughs> yes, apparently the lyrics got strapped together by Mick Jagger partially when he was going through New York in a cab. It's largely about how hard it is to get by in New York. Um, not that I imagine it being particularly hard to get by if you if you're Mick Jagger. No, world's smallest violin, please. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Well, he talks about people dressed in plastic bags at one stage, oh. which maybe is some reference to the punk thing of the day. Maybe. Right. The thing that I've always found the most comical about the song is that the chorus has got presumably the other dudes in the band, although it sounds more like Oscar the Grouch stepping to the microphone going, Shadooby. Shattered, oh, yeah, yeah. shadowy, shattered, like yeah. that. So, yeah. it's uh, I've never been able to take that seriously. No. But oh, they did a tour in 1978 as well. Apparently, turning up at small venues under pseudonyms. Is that right? Yeah, like you go and see a band. It's called Racist Piano Teacher, and it, oh hell no, it's the Rolling Stones. Hang Look on, there's Mick Jagger. Yeah. Yes, that'd be wild. Yeah, and then of course they just spent what 40 years making pretty piss poor records. This is for a lot of people where they just sort of dropped off some sort of cliff, even though you would have thought they'd dropped off before this. Yeah, free fall. Yeah, in a free fall already. Yeah. Oh, wow. Whereas I think there's a few bits that um, rescue this, just a couple. Yeah. They made far worse albums after. Oh, um, that's saying something. <laughs> yeah, that's, <laughs> that's right. That's my praise indeed, Grant. I know. <laughs> okay. And now they're still touring as a tribute act to themselves. Yeah, yeah, and good on them. Uh, yeah. Because their great work is just divine. So there you go. Agreed. Oh, thank God it's over.